What a great time it is when we can have a few minutes to uh, look into the Word of God together and understand some of the great truths that God has for our lives. Inside your program, you'll find an outline of our Bible study. I'd encourage you to take that today and follow with us. I want to tell you about the story of two kings. I guess this time of year, one of the uh, stories that appears regularly is the story of the Grinch who stole Christmas. And uh, maybe you remember reading that story, and I guess my favorite part was when he dressed up his little ugly dog like a reindeer. You remember that? You know, you think, though, why would anybody hate Christmas? I want to tell you the story about a man, not a fictitious man, but a real man, who people say this man must have hated Christmas, although he never heard the word. Now, the fellow who did that would certainly be one that you and I would not want to emulate. We think now, surely is there not anything that is nicer than the time around Christmas? And uh, we hear people sing, Joy to the world, hark the herald angels sing, I'll be home for Christmas, and, and even the uh, funny songs, Grandma got run over by a reindeer. But you know, it's a time of happiness, a time of joy, a time of lights and singing, and you hear from people everywhere, Merry Christmas. And certainly it is a joyful time. But why would anybody hate Christmas? Well, if you got your Bible with you, we're going to look today in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 18 is where we're going to be studying from today. And let me, number one, introduce to you Herod, who was not a nice man. When Herod was 25 years old, he was appointed the governor of Galilee. And that was a very big job for such a young man. But the hope was that he was going to be able to control the Jews in that area. And so we find this young man who is ambitious, a man who has a lot of goals for himself, now coming to Galilee, going to control the Jews. Then in 40 B.C., the Roman Senate made him the king of the Jews. Now, that was a name that the Jews did not like. Because, you see, Herod was neither a Jew by birth nor a Jew by religion. And to call him the king of the Jews was something that they hated. But there was one thing that Herod was always good at, and that is murder. If you would see the long list of people that he murdered, you would probably be shocked. But he was a man that loved killing people. In fact, he killed, <coughs> excuse me, he killed his brother-in-law. He killed his mother-in-law. He killed his wife. And he did that when he was 44 years old. And he lived to 70. And he regretted that because she was a good woman. And even killed his two sons, who he had, had information about, were going to try to overthrow him. And he had both of the two sons strangled to death. I mean, Herod was a wicked man. There were four things that Herod was kind of preoccupied with. And if you look at his life, you would see these. Number one, he was preoccupied with power. He wanted everybody to know that he was in charge. He was a man that wanted to display the fact that he was the boss. 
Secondly, he was preoccupied with possessions. He built uh, seven theaters and seven uh, great stadiums. One of the theaters he built would seat 9,500 people. And a stadium he built would seat 300,000 people. You thought AT&T Station in Dallas, Stadium in Dallas was big, but I mean it was nothing in comparison to the stadium that was built by Herod. He was one that wanted people to know who he was. Third, he was preoccupied with prestige. He wanted people to honor him and to think of him as someone who was really noteworthy and someone you would look up to. And fourthly, he was one who was preoccupied with paranoia. He was so afraid that somebody was going to try to dispossession him and put him out of being the king of the Jews. And so he had a network of spies all around. And if people were ever trying to bring some kind of rebellion, he'd know about it, and he'd put a stop to it, killing as many as he needed to kill to get around. Herod was a not a nice man. Well, we find, number two, that he had a visit from the Magi. If you have your Bible, I'm in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Well, these Magi were what we call the wise men. Now, there have been a lot of things that have kind of just been added to by people who don't have any real knowledge of what the Bible says. And sometimes people have said, we even know the names of these three wise men, Caspar, Melchior, and Balthazar. Here, these were names that were given by people, and they were never to be found in the Bible. The wise men were a very unusual group of men. The Magi were men that uh, had been trained in a lot of different fields, and they are kind of what you and I would call eggheads. I mean, they were men that knew a lot about a lot of different things. They knew about uh, medicine and history and religion and prophecy, and they knew about astronomy and astrology. Now, those were two words that you need to understand what the difference of them is. Somebody who was interested in astronomy studied the science of the stars, what made up the stars, what they were, etc. Astronomy, the astrology, though, they were ones who looked at the position of the stars and to see how they influenced human destiny. And these men were men who were very great in all of these fields. Now, they had made a journey from Persia over to Bethlehem and to Jerusalem. And that journey was something like 800 to 1,000 miles. Now, the question has always been, how many of them were there? Well, now, you and I, when we see Christmas cards, we always see three wise men. And we see them having come on camels, and we see them coming to the very place where Jesus was born in the stable. But let me tell you, a lot of that does not have any 
place in the Bible that would correspond with that or say that that was true. More than likely, these three eggheads or magi would not have come alone. They probably would have come in a caravan knowing that they had a long journey to take care of. And uh, there would need to be uh, servants to help take care of them. They needed to eat. There needed to be men who could take care of the animals. And there needed to be soldiers who would guard them lest they be overrun by some kind of thieves. And it's been suggested that probably in this whole caravan of the Magi or the wise men, there probably as much as 300 who made that trip. I mean, it was not a small group, but here it was a large group who now had come for the purpose of finding the one who was born king of the Jews. Now, you might wonder, well, why didn't everybody kind of head toward Jerusalem or Bethlehem where our Lord was to be born if there was a star that showed that that was what was taking place? Well, these men knew astronomy and astrology, and so they studied the stars. And so they were well aware of when maybe a new star would appear. And so that's the reason I think that they were the only ones who really noticed this. Well, when they got to Jerusalem, there was a real stir. Pick up the reading, if you will, with me in Matthew chapter 2, verse 3. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem was with him. Now, the word disturbed here is an interesting word, and it is a word that literally means that they were absolutely crazy. They were here just upset about all of this. Now, you may realize that this was why that King Herod was upset, because he thought there was going to be somebody born the king of the Jews. And that's who he was. He was the king of the Jews. But he also, the city was upset. And I think the reason the city was all upset was they knew what a nutcase that Herod was. And they didn't know what he was going to do when he heard that there was going to be a new king of the Jews. He was some kind of a wacko and telling no telling what it was this guy was going to do. But what was this star? What was this that had gathered the interest of people from a thousand miles away and had led them to Jerusalem? And Bethlehem was about five miles south of Jerusalem. And what was it that had led me here? Well, there are four ideas about what that star might have been. Number one, some people thought the star might have been Halley's Comet. But the uh, last time that we know of a Halley's Comet appearing was about 11 B.C., and so that was way too early for the birth of Jesus. Some people have thought that it was a supernova. That is a star that just exploded in the sky. But there's not any record of anything happening like that around the time of the birth of Jesus. Others have thought that maybe it was a conjunction of planets. And there were several planets that just happened to align exactly the same way. And so that was the star. But probably the most likely is that this was some kind of a supernatural light that had been provided by our Lord so that people could be able to find the Christ child, Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
Well, number three, I want to tell you that Herod wanted more information about this. Hearing that uh, the people in town were all talking about some men who had come from a thousand miles away to see the king of the Jews, he wanted to know more about this. So beginning in Matthew 18, Matthew chapter 2 at verse 4, we find this reading. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet had written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Here the word of God, 700 years earlier, had predicted the coming of a Messiah, a ruler of the people. So Herod called together the Old Testament scholars around him. And he asked him the question, where is this king of the Jews to be born? And they didn't hesitate in giving the answer. They said, 700 years ago, Micah the prophet had told us, chapter 5, verse 2, that that was going to take place in Bethlehem. Now, Bethlehem was the suburb of Jerusalem. So he now knew exactly where it was, the city where he was going to be, but he didn't know anything else. And he didn't have a GPS to help him pinpoint the spot where the new king of the Jews was. So what he said is, I needed to call in those men who have made this trip to find out exactly where the king is to be born. So drop down in verse 7 of Matthew chapter 2. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out for them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. Now, here is Herod telling the Magi, I want to go and worship that child too. You know, I read that to you what my thought was. Liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> Herod did not have any desire to go and worship the king. He was going to find out where he was asked so that he might be able to do away with the king. Pick up the writing, reading, if you will, in verse 9. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And they opened their treasures, and they presented him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another source." Here, evidently, the star had stopped when they got to Jerusalem. But then it seems to me that the star reappeared in verse 11. And when it did, they rejoiced because the light of the star came right down on the house where Jesus was. That's verse 11. Did you get that? Not the manger, but the house where Jesus was. Evidently, the uh, 
wise men did not find Jesus at the same place that the shepherds found him, because Jesus was now in a house. Now the thing that Herod asked the wise men was, how long ago did that star appear? So how long it had taken them to make the journey all the way from Persia about a thousand miles may have been as much, some people think, as a year. But they were coming to find the one who had been born king of the Jews. Now, the Bible says that they were looking carefully for the child. Now, the word child here is not the word for a newborn infant, but rather it was the word for a toddler. So exactly how old Jesus was when the Magi found him, we don't know. But evidently, he was not a newborn babe, even as the shepherds had found when they had come to find the Christ child. The Bible says that there were three gifts that they presented. And that's why it is that people have thought there were three wise men, because there were three gifts given. And the gifts given were, first of all, gold. Now, that certainly was a worthy gift to present to a king. But I want to tell you, there's something else here you need to realize. God was preparing Joseph and Mary for what was going to come. And that is, the angel is going to appear to Joseph and tell him that Herod is going to kill all the children. So you take your baby and take your wife and you flee to Egypt. Now, when they get down there, they're going to be without any kind of way to make a living down there without any relatives, and what are they going to do, and how are they going to live? Ah, God has provided for them, because the wise men brought gold. And so they're going to have money whereby they can live, and have food, and have a home, and be there as long as they need, until Herod is going to be disposed of. So the first gift that was given was the gift of gold. And it was a way that providentially God is preparing this family so that they're going to be able to survive what is ahead. Well, secondly, the Bible says, and they got a gift of frankincense. Now, frankincense was the special kind of specialist kind of spice that was used in the temple. And it was supposedly a representation of God. And as they would smell the frankincense, they would realize that God is here in the temple, and He is here with us. And thirdly, they got a gift of myrrh. Now, myrrh was a perfume that came from the leaves of a citrus rose. And it was a very highly desirable uh, plant to have. And it was used sometimes for uh, people when they had injuries. And it was even used so that people could be wrapped in it when they died. If you want to check a reference over in John chapter 19, verse 39, the Bible says that as the body of Jesus was prepared, that they wrapped it with 75 pounds of myrrh and aloes. And they put it in between the... Uh, wrappings of Jesus as they prepared His body for the burial. So here were three wonderful gifts that were given to Jesus as a king. Let me tell you that wise men today still follow Jesus. And they honor Him as the king. 
Over in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 15, we find that Paul wrote these words. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for the very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display His immense patience as an example of those who would believe in Him and receive eternal life. Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Paul says Jesus is the eternal King, and He is to receive honor forever and ever. But now, you know, Jesus was a different kind of king, as was Herod. Herod was a king who lived his life for himself. He was a man who would go out of his way to destroy anybody that got into his way that would mock him as one who did not, uh, as one who was worthy of the honor of every person. The Magi, when they were warned of the intentions of the king, they went back another way, lest they would be able to reveal the exact location of where Jesus was. But the butcher of Bethlehem, the king who hated anyone who would dare infringe upon his power and his prestige, Jesus Christ, he then ordered to make sure that everyone was covered ordered the killing of every boy who was two years and under. Can you imagine what a slaughter that was? And here is a man who is killing babies right and left. Fortunately, Joseph had been warned by God what was going to take place. And to flee to Egypt and to stay there until he was told that it was safe to come back. But you know what kind of a king Jesus was? Matthew chapter 25, when Jesus said, I want to tell you, I have seen the good things you've done. You have fed the hungry. You have clothed the stranger. You have welcomed people into your home who needed clothing. And when people were sick or in prison, you went to visit them. And in Matthew chapter 25, verse 40, the king will reply, Truly I tell you, Whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brothers or sisters of mine, you have done for me. Jesus said, I want to tell you, whatever it is you have done for someone else, Jesus said, you have done that for me. What a king was Jesus. I found this little story that I loved on the internet. A lady who went to her mailbox, and she had no regular mail, but there was a envelope in it. It had no stamp. It simply had her name written on it. And so she took that out and she went inside and she opened it and this was the letter that she got. Dear Ruth, I'm going to be in your neighborhood Saturday afternoon. I'd like to stop by for a visit. Love, Jesus. Her hands were shaking as she placed the letter on the table well, why would the Lord want to visit me? I'm nobody special. I don't have anything to offer. With that thought, remember, Ruth remembered her kitchen was empty. I'll have to run down to the store and buy something for dinner. Well, she reached for a purse and counted out its contents. Five dollars and forty cents. 
Well, I guess I can get some bread and cold cuts at least. After buying a few things at the store, Ruth started walking home quickly. Hey, lady, can you help us, lady? Ruth had been so absorbed in her dinner plans that she hadn't noticed two figures huddled in the alleyway, a man and a woman, both dressed in little more than rags. Look, lady, I ain't got a job. You know, my wife and I have been living out here in the street. Well, now I'm getting cold and it's getting kind of hungry as well. If you could help us, lady, we'd really appreciate it. Well, Ruth looked at both of them. They were dirty and smelled bad. Sir, I'd like to help you, but I'm a poor woman myself. All I have is some meat and some bread, and I'm having an important guest for dinner tonight, and I was planning to serve him. Well, okay, lady. I understand. Thanks anyway. The man put his arm around his wife's shoulder and headed back into the alley. As she watched them leave, Ruth felt a familiar twinge in her heart. Sirs, wait. The couple stopped and turned as she ran down the alley after them. Look, why don't you take this food? I'll figure out something else to serve my guest. And she handed the man the grocery bag. Thank you, lady. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you. It was the man's wife, and Ruth could see now that she was shivering. Ruth looked at them and replied tenderly, You know, I've got another coat at home. Here, why don't you take this one? Ruth unbuttoned her jacket and slipped it over the woman's shoulders. Then smiling, she turned and walked back to the street without her coat and with nothing to serve her guest. Thank you, lady. Thank you very much. Ruth was chilled by the time she reached the front door and worried, too. The Lord was coming to visit, and she didn't have anything to offer him. She fumbled through her purse for a door key, but as she did, she noticed another envelope in the mailbox. That's odd. The mailman doesn't usually come twice in a day. She took the letter out of the box and opened it. Dear Ruth, it was so good to see you again. Thank you for the lovely meal, and thank you, too, for the beautiful coat. Love always, Jesus. The air was cold, but even without her coat, Ruth no longer noticed. I wonder what king do you serve? Do you serve the king that says, it's for me and what I have and what I want, like Herod? Or do you serve King Jesus? The one who says, when you do something good for someone else, you do it unto me. I hope and pray that we can be people who honor the right king, King Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Dear Lord, we're so thankful that you sent Jesus to this earth and that we can know him as our Lord and our Savior. And I pray, Father, that we will follow him as our king, that we will love and serve people, even as did our Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing a song of invitation this morning, and maybe there's a way we could help you. Maybe you'd like to come today and say, I'd like to be a part of this church. And if that's your desire, we would welcome you with open arms. Maybe you'd like to come today and confess your faith and be baptized into Christ. If there's any other way we could help you, we would love to do so. I'll be at the front, and our elders will be at the back. And if we can serve you in any way, why don't you come right now as we stand and sing our song of invitation together. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. 
and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains. Repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy, repeat, repeat the sounding joy. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of His righteousness. And wonders of his love, and wonders of his love, and wonders, wonders of his love.